I feel like I know a lot of Eagles fans, and I think, especially just being in, you know, LA is just such a transplant city, so the odds of you having at least three, you know, non-connected Eagles fans in your life is, is not that hard to do, because, you know, they're, they're living in LA, but their heart's in Philadelphia, and it's, there's a lot of hand-wringing right now with that team. You know, I think when you talk to an Eagles fan, they're they're kind of shrugging and they're talking about all the guys that are hurt. Yeah. Let's get into it. Los Angeles Rams podcast, a Los Angeles Rams podcast. I'm at 3K underscore AKA Joe here with Robbo at Seattle Rams underscore NFL. What's going on, Robert? Uh, no time for that. Also here with Joey the Jerk at LA Rams Rams Rams. What's up, Joey? <laughs> Hello, everybody. My name is Joey and I'm a jerk. If you're wondering why LARP. we're going so fast on this episode of LARP episode seven, it's because episode seven was supposed to be a recap of week one and the internet ate my podcast. It actually happened. It just opened up and swallowed it like the Sarlacc. It was beautiful, too. Joey liked that Sarlacc reference. R.I.P. Bubba Fett. I see you. I see you. I heard it. Um, No, we did a week one recap podcast, and it's gone. So we're going to try to combine this into a week one recap, week two preview. We got a couple other updates in there. Number one, we got our first regular season COVID update for the week of September 6th to the 12th. Two players tested positive, five personnel. We don't get names. We'll have to see how this uh, develops over the rest of the week and into the weekend. But obviously, this is going to be an ongoing story the way it was for other sports. But we've opened things back up. We're starting to get fans back involved. You saw fans at a couple NFL games. We'll see what happens with COVID. But obviously, with football back, that aspect is taking a little bit of a backseat to the action. Speaking of the action, Action Jackson. Steven Jackson. Nominated yes. for the Hall of Fame. Yes. Yay! I can th- I can think of I can think of very few less uh, underheralded guys that were more talented who who deserve much more fanfare. Good to see him get nominated. Eight seasons in a row with at least one thousand rushing yards. Eric Dickerson had seven across multiple teams. Marshall Falk had five. Todd Gurley had two. That tells you something about how durable and consistent Action Jackson was on some really really bad football teams. One last item. Very terrible. One last thing that isn't terrible. Oh, yes. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I I thought I was going to get an opportunity to make a 69 nice joke with his career TD. Oh, very good. We're going so fast that we can't even make 69 jokes. We don't have time for Dark days. We have no no time for 69 nice (laughs) jokes. Uh, One last very nice uh, bit of information that we talked on on the Disappeared podcast that we got to let Robbo have some time for. Cooper Cup is going to be a Ram for many years to come. Robo. I'm never gonna dance again. Guilty feet got no rhythm. It was not easy to pretend. I know you're not a fool. For three more years! Cooper Cup is old. Our boy. Even the six snap counts this week. They went back to 11. They played Cooper. They didn't take him off the field. Gerald Evans hardly even came on. Because Shopping Bay loves him. Sing Cooper Cup almost as much as I do. My boy. In the fold, three more plus this. It's a beautiful thing. Go get your jerseys, peep. Go get them, but don't go to NFL shop because you won't get it till Easter. Go to the other source in China. Joy, is is Robbo barefoot on the beach with him, or is he dancing midfield it, it, like a ballroom dance? I think it's both, and he just you just intercut the footage of him in the middle of SoFi dancing, and then at the beach. My question is, if you get a Cooper Cup, do you have a new Cooper Cup jersey yet, Robbo? I do not. I do not. I still have the 18. Okay. So let's say you got to push the button today and you got to choose. Do you go with the bone jersey or do you go with the blue? Bone, 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 bone. I like asking if I like my son or my daughter more. 
Um, I might. Well, you got to pick. Are you just gonna get both, or are I you a bulk both. guy? Do you get? Do you get the? I've got some. Of, uh, I have a. I have. I have home and away jersey, but. For Cooper Cup, we're just I talking jerseys, man. That's not so. So tell me, what do you want to do with a uniform to choose? Bone is a better color. Bone, that bone fire. It's 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 awesome. I love the bone. I love the bone. I'd go bone. Why do you think they're just not calling it gray? It's the same color as the Dodger uniforms, it's, and that's just gray. Because, no one's calling it Dodger uh, bone. Have you met the Los Angeles Rams? Are you kidding? <laughs> and Heather Gray is not sexy, but bone is bone. If you give the Los Angeles Rams a chance to invent a mm-hmm. color, bruh, they're going to come up with five. <laughs> they will come up with their own Crayola set. So we're going with blue and yellow and gray, right, guys? Actually, sit down, Jim. When are they going to start doing stuff with George Thorogood's bad to the bone behind it? You know it's out there. It's, 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 on, <laughs> one of their, it's on one of their marketing boards. It's so it's such ra- a 1992 oh, man, yeah, and of course though. it's you, Robbo. That's so – yeah, that's so late <laughs> Gen X uh, boomer. Energy, it's perfect. You're right, though. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, it's very. Good. I think they played that during yeah, Problem right. Child with John Ritter. I don't think we need it with. <laughs> it's definitely Rams. coming on on some primetime broadcast. It's definitely coming. You're absolutely oh. right. With like Al Mike, there's a hundred percent chance. Hundred percent chance that the Los Angeles Rams started the 2020 season one and zero. It actually happened. Los Angeles Rams twenty, Dallas Cowboys seventeen. Probably don't need to run down too many of the stats at this point because we've had a lot of time to digest it. Let's just start out, Robbo. Uh, basic summary, one sentence or so of what you thought on the game, and and now that we're midweek, what you've taken away from a, a really impressive performance. Uh, quick summary is that I expected them to lose this game. I thought it'd be close, uh, but the big surprise for me, or maybe not surprise, the the calming nature, the, the afterthought is I was really concerned about Brandon Staley, unproven defensive coordinator coming in for a legend, from a future Hall of Famer in, in Wade. Uh, I didn't know what he could, what he was going to bring. I wasn't sure that he would make the right adjustments. I thought he had a really solid debut. His guys struggled a little bit early. They gave up a couple touchdowns. But in the second half, they gave up three points, and that was off of the Jared Goff shouldn't have been interception when he got hit in the face. His defense really Damn. played pretty darn well. They did work on some tackling or whatever, but there are some defenses out there that played a lot worse than what Brandon Staley did. And he, his halftime adjustments shut down a very potent Dallas Cowboys offense. So I'm very pleased with it. Hard not to be, especially that second half. Joy, what'd you think? I was really happy with the balance of the offense that McVay implemented. I thought it was really nice to see a lot of run plays and just having Malcolm Brown be that kind of hard-nosed a weapon and he was able to just kind of you know run through the middle and, and and cause some damage and i i felt like that was a lot different from what we saw last season they just felt really more ground sure. and pound and i want to see that moving forward i like the fact that it's just not 50 passing attempts by golf that you're you're seeing just a lot was it 30 run plays or 35 it was 35 uh, running back running plays. You and had then, four carries from golf and then one for that early Woods uh, crotch punt. Yes. And then also with those screens with Robert Woods, I mean, that was probably yeah. something that you yeah. can't start off the game because they're going to plan for it. But it was just fun to see. And that, that's what I kind of took away. Good stuff. Uh, mine's similar. It's the condensed offense. You mentioned it. It was the idea that we had a very direct running game for Malcolm Brown to set up third and short. And through the first five drives, we had 10 third and six or shorter, and we converted eight of them. Very successful game plan. Very conservative. Very condensed. Jared Goff had 31 throws, 
24 of them were 10 yards or shorter. He had the shortest next-gen stats as a stat called intended air yards, which measures how far each pass attempt actually travels. He had the shortest intended air yards of any quarterback in week one. So it, it was clearly meant to, number one, protect the offensive line because you didn't need a ton of time to protect him to throw the ball two, three yards. You weren't, you weren't having to wait for Van Jefferson to get downfield except once the entire game. Didn't have any other deep throws. Didn't have to put a lot on Jared Goff to work a ton of, you know, uh, deep throw uh, reads and going through a, a pretty decent secondary for the Cowboys. And then obviously once they had some injuries, guys like Sean Lee already out before the game, Leighton Vander Esch, you could really work things underneath. Once Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby were getting into a groove, you had a really good offense going that first half into the second, uh, the interception notwithstanding that Rob mentioned. So really interesting game plan. I'm, I'm eager to see how it develops. It wasn't a ton of 12 personnel. There was a decent amount of it. We even had three snaps and 13 personnel with three tight ends. Um, so eager to see how that looks against Philadelphia. But clearly the biggest narrative out of the game, especially if you take it away from Rams fans, was the late OPI call. We got the refs interjecting themselves again late into the game. But I, I think most Rams fans obviously were comfortable with the call, albeit, you know, it's pretty soft. What, what do we think about the impact of the call and, and the narrative it sets up for the Rams move? It is soft, and I don't want to spend too yeah. much time trying to defend it, but it happened in our favor. So, sure. of course, we're going to like it and move forward and not grouch about it that much. But it's something that you don't want because it, it then causes a bunch of excuses of people saying, like, oh, well, you should have lost that game, and they should put an asterisk by your win, or just dealing with bullshit like that. It Obviously, you could come up with a counter-argument that, the Cowboys had plenty of opportunities to win the game, and that was just one of them. And if you start talking about sure. the Jared Goff phantom call about the face mask, yep. then you're just starting yep. to split hairs, and we do, we're we not in the position sure. where we need to do that because we got the win and move forward. But you can make the counter-argument that the Cowboys had plenty of opportunities to win the game, and that was just one of them. Sure. And yep. th they're going to gripe and bitch about it, and now it's unfortunately – in the past three years, we have two very sort of notorious calls that went in our favor. But eh, yeah. what are you going to do? I think it's one of these things that I'm getting tired of the arbitrary nature of how close the penalties are to the end of the game having to do more with narratives, yes. right? Where when you get a when you get this call with 30 seconds left, oh, that's the end of the world. Well, what happened to the 59 minutes and 30 seconds of football before that? If the Cowboys were up by 10 and they had called this OPI, they wouldn't have cared as much. The, the, the bigger issue is that they had a whole game to do better and they didn't. So I thought it was a soft call. I, I, I always have an issue when refs, I have a bigger issue when refs make calls at the end of games than when they don't. But, you know, with the Saints game, when they swallowed their whistles, clearly that wasn't acceptable either. So it's one of these things where I think for me, the biggest onus is you got a whole game of football to play. If it comes down to 30 seconds, the refs miss a call. Should have played better the whole game. Let's not forget that there are no preseason games. Refs, this is their first game as well. They missed one earlier in the game for us. They missed one of the Cowboys. You know what? It, it is what it is. Let it go. Somehow we played better football besides the non-call. Weird how that happened. Robbo, let's start with you. Your player of the game, if you had to single a guy out. Uh, it's going to be Mr. Jordan Fuller. I wrote about a little, a little thing pick. I put on the site, but he had the... I think the biggest play of the game, that fourth down stop when McCarthy should have kicked the field goal and tied the game, he went. He did Sean Payton, and he paid the ultimate price. Uh, a rookie, he went, went, no one thought he was going to start this game. He was kind of, He came out of nowhere. Taylor Rapp, we found out, was healthy, and he just jumped him. Uh, we found out earlier in the week that, that McVay had tabbed him as a starter, or Brandon Staley tabbed him as a starter. So he knew all week he was going to start, uh, and now we found out why. He played very well. 
sure there are a few mistakes in there, but uh, overall, Jordan Fuller, I thought, played really well. He did not play like a rookie, and he had the biggest arguably play of the game for the Rams. Fantastic. Who you got, Joe? I got Malcolm Brown, and I think it's pretty yeah. simple if you like just it. like look at the stat line, just having two rushing touchdowns. It, he was the one success that we had in the red zone, and that's key, and it's going to be something moving forward that we really need to get better at as a team is scoring in the red zone sure. and Malcolm Brown was able to do it. So I got to give him the player of the game because he was just active and he really gave an identity to that offense. And it was just really great to see him on third downs and getting those, those two really tough yards. I love it. I want to see more of that. I also like the idea that you called him hard nosed. Cause I like the idea of Reggie Scott going up to like cam Akers and being like, yeah, coach, uh, his nose is too soft. We can't use him third and two. You got to go to Malk. He's got that hard nose. <laughs> he has that soft <laughs> nose. It's not no good for football. You can put him in. You can put him in another sport like volleyball or something. But with football, you need a hard nose. And Malcolm's got it. He's got it. Uh, my player of the game. I, you can kind of take your pick. I'll go with Andrew Whitworth for all the concerns that we had Ooh. about the offensive line. They did fine. And, and I, I, the game plan, obviously, was tailored to take a lot of responsibility off of them. But that was a good front seven that they were dealing with. Uh, they had to deal with some adversity in the second half once guys like Alden Smith got going and Demarcus Lawrence. Um, but they had many, many, many worse games in 2019. They're probably going to have many worse games this year. For this game, they did good enough to let the game plan work. Uh, and I thought that was a, a really big key, at least in the first half. When when you if that offensive line had really struggled in the for, first half and required some adjustments from McVeigh to say, look, even with this condensed game plan, it's still not working. That could have been really problematic. They got enough done in the running game, especially like Joey mentioned for Malcolm Brown. They gave him two yards of space, and that hard nose took two yards and made it five yards. And that that was key to setting up those short third downs. And then obviously Jared Goff has too much experience picking apart zones with. Robert Woods and Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby on some of those those short passing plays. Great game plan. Great, great impact from Malcolm Brown. Great execution by, well, not great, but good enough from the offensive line. And like you said, some really big star playing from a rookie and a guy that went unheralded through the training camp preseason process and Jordan Fuller. And a couple big moments here and there. We mentioned you, the, you mentioned Malcolm Brown's touchdown. That second touchdown doesn't happen without Josh Reynolds' huge catch on the yeah. sideline, right? Yeah. You got a, a huge one catch day from Van Jefferson. You got a big play from, or a combined big play at the end, uh, Leonard Floyd, Ja'Kai Polite. Um, yeah, you had a bunch of little plays in there from some guys, some role players that needed to step up, and they did just enough. Um, maybe another guy that did that to a degree, especially if you look at the adjustments in the second half, was a guy who got his first start was Micah Kaiser, right? That yeah. first half where everybody's like, oh, man, this is what we were worried about with a guy like that. He really affirmed himself in the second half and looked to be mm. – you, you, you don't have to be a star in the first game that you get, but this is going to be a team that's going to be pushing for the playoffs. If Micah Kaiser is looking better in December than he does through September, maybe that's kind of the point, right? And I think we got a sense of that. I have a question for you guys. Let's say, yeah. let's say I'm a dummy. And I'm looking. Yes, let's, yeah, let's, let's take this make hypothetical. A huge jump and making the conclusion that I'm a dumb dumb. <laughs> that when I'm looking at the roster here of the safeties, and I'm like, ooh, I really like the play of Jordan Fuller, but I also, in the past, have really liked Taylor Rapp, and we also have John Johnson the third. How can they coexist, the three of them on the field at the same time? I don't know. Oh. I mean, that's that's the challenge for Brandon Staley, right, Rebel? You can, yeah, you can pull Darius Williams off the field. And then, then you can have a or, uh, 
you, you, you're going to get some cycling there. You're going to get some cycling with Terrell Burgess at some point. You would have to yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Um, pull, uh, really talented pull, rookie. Kenny Young off the field. Kenny oh, Young Kenny might Lappin have to come off yeah. a little bit more. Yeah. So th- can, maybe this is. Yeah, yeah th- like do you basically then take the the model of the two inside linebackers and if and if you are are playing instead of Kenny Young, if you have someone like Taylor Rapp in there, you have to play it a lot differently though, right? Just just because of his size, or just I think that's part set? of it. I think it's skill set, but also opponent, right? I, I don't know that right. Brandon Staley or this defense is going to tailor what they're doing to every opponent the same. And that's part of what the good thing, it's the first world problem of having all this depth allows you to do, as opposed to, let's say, inside linebacker is Taylor Rapp had a really good rookie season last year. So if you need to go to him week two against Philadelphia, because there's a wrinkle that you're 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 worried about more so than you were against the Cowboys of intended in terms of how you wanted to, to set up for them. You can put him in there and not worry too much because you've got some football on his resume that you don't have to worry like a, a Kaiser or a Fuller, like, man, we're throwing this guy to the wolves. Look at what happened with Terrence Steele, the right tackle that the Cowboys had to go to because La L Collins was out. You throw an undrafted rookie right tackle out there and he looks like an undrafted rookie tight end or right tackle. Fuller kind of played above expectations. I think that's a bit of the surprise not that he was okay that he was better than okay and so if you can bring a guy like rat back in that that's always going to be something that's a little bit easier than going to the unproven guys and that gives him some comfort but how and when he's going to do that i think that's all going to be to be determined i think that's part of the fun of this season is you've got a lot of to be determined in terms of the rotation on defense but also all these targets on offense. We talked about how all these guys are going to eat on offense. And the answer is they're kind of not all going to, right? You can have a day where Robert Woods gets six catches for 105 yards, but a lot of that was dumping it off to Woods and having, what, four or five blockers out in front of him. But other than that, Tyler Higby didn't really go off. Cooper Cup didn't really go off. Van Jefferson had one catch, but it worked, right? It was okay. It was enough. So I think these are good problems to have. Do what? They, they, they really, if you look at the targets, they spread that woods let them, but other than All that, the way I think four, everyone else had four, three, four, I mean, across the board. So they just said. And why not? Yeah, why well, not? You, you, you don't have to make fantasy easy. football owners happy, right? Yeah, right. No, I think it was great, but I I don't think we're going to get a lot of answers on that stuff, Joey, until we get to more football. That's the thing. This is one game, small sample size. A lot of those answers are going to take time to come. Remember, Taylor Rapp didn't get a ton of time early last year. It was John Johnson and Eric Weddle. It took a while for Rapp to really start getting a lot of impact on this defense, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's the same for a bunch of guys that maybe didn't get as much work in week one that we might have expected. Well, it took John Johnson being lost for the year to injury. But bigger, here's a bigger one for you, Joey. This was the first night for one of your favorite topics, the uniforms, SoFi Stadium, Sunday night football. All of that stuff poured in on a night where maybe the neutral fans across the country didn't really pay attention. Maybe they had seen something about the logo or the uniforms or whatever. This whole package of SoFi and the colors and the uniforms, it looks very different in real time on HDTV than it does when you just look at a logo or when you just look at something on Twitter or Instagram. What do you think about this whole package of now that, that this is really the, the beginning of this era of Los Angeles Rams football? It's probably the bubble that I live in or go on the, you know, online to see, but it felt like mm-hmm. I was just getting a very, you know, similar consensus, which was that there's a lot of shrugging towards the, primary logo with the LA mm-hmm. and it seems like everybody is very vocal about their dislike for that logo and 
then I, I think with the Rams head, it's a little bit different, whoever you talk to. But overall, it just seems like the kind of uh, what I was get what I was getting from as the reaction to this rebrand was like very corporate and kind of soulless and doesn't feel like a football teams and, and feels more like a of a corporate merger. And this is what came out. This is what was birthed in a, in a boardroom and with a bunch of executives from Nike. It just feels very current, contemporary. I felt like the colors really popped with that sort of um, shiny stuff that was on the numbers. And the blue was just really loud. Like you have a, a switch to turn on the colors on the helmet. Like it just popped on screen. So that was cool. It felt like a, a unified game plan. It just, I don't think, fits within pe- people's um, version of how they identify of what a football team's supposed to look like. Right. If right. you compare them to an, something an, like the Dallas NFL Cowboys, football. for example, right? Yeah, an Dallas NFL Cowboys. football team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, it 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 is. Uh, it, it's it's more of I think the NFC West has kind of like a style with the uniforms. If you sure. look at the Cardinals and the Seahawks. Is and, and even the the San Francisco a little bit, you know, they're a little softer, you know. It's like we got we got this sort of um West those black Coast. uniforms. Mm-hmm. Those black uniforms that the Niners have. Yeah. Yes. It's that they're they're making some swings. And that's what this whole thing was. It was just like the Rams are gonna make some big swings and kind of really carve this new identity as a team. And uh right now I think people are a little bit like, mm, okay, well let's see how good they are. Sure. And that's what happens when the football starts. Robbo, we talked about this, though, before when we got the uniform release. A lot of this is just about the schism between generations, right? Where you've got an older generation that wanted the old throwbacks. And really, let's be honest, was built off that old NFL films generation of the Raiders and the Steelers. And I'll do it quietly in the back while you talk. The, the olds wanted the old stuff. They wanted a helmet logo with a single bar, old school football, leather helmet. The Rams did not do a rebrand for – I'm 52. They didn't do it for me. They did it for my kids. They did it for grandkids. They, they're trying to find the next fan. They already got you guys. Why do they care what you have other than the merch you're going to do to go spend your kids' money? They want to do a rebrand for the kids. Look at, look at the college football teams who kids love. Oregon. They have 87 different uniforms. They're all flashy and, and, and out there. The bone, that bright blue Joey mentioned, how it's just popping off the screen. It's electric. This rebrand was for the kids. It's not for the olds. It's not for me. I'm sorry if you don't want to hear it. Kevin Dumoff, they all know what they're going after, and it's not you. It's not you. It's your kids. It's your grandkids. It's it's the younger. It's the video game crowd. It's it's not it's not the olds. I'm sorry. We'll still take your money and enjoy the game. It's a beautiful new age and started off one to zero. I don't think anybody could be uh, more excited than Rams fans are the way this season has started. Maybe Washington, maybe a couple other teams, but uh, ahead we trudge towards Week Two and Washington's opponent, the Philadelphia Eagles. Really disappointing game for Eagles fans. Um, they had a bunch of injury concerns going into it. They were already down two offensive linemen and Brandon Browner and um, Andre Dillard, their left tackle. Lane Johnson wasn't able to go at right tackle, uh, had an ankle issue. They didn't have uh, Miles Sanders. And so 
they were dealing with a ton of injuries and that offensive line just got destroyed up front. So let's start there. What do we think? You got Aaron Donald coming off a really impressive performance, had a lot of motivation, maybe based on certain ESPN analysts thinking that he was bad at run Mm -hmm. defense and the way that kind of resonated throughout the NFL uh, world throughout the week. Uh, took advantage of that, had some great highlights for the online crowd. And now we go towards week two with the, that's probably being the number one dominant narrative going in. What do you think about this front seven going against the Eagles online? Uh, did uh, Aaron Donald get anybody paid in the off season? I'm thinking he did. Uh, Dante, like Leonard Floyd is going to play the Dante Fowler role. He's better than what Clay Matthews was. Matthews like ran himself into four or sacks last year, but Fowler's got some athletic ability and some, and some, you know, but he's not like a go-to guy. He's not going to be a household name. He's not uh, Chandler Jones. He's a right. serviceable offensive linebacker, which is Leonard Floyd's game. Floyd sacks. Yeah, cer- certainly, if you benefit. go off a of week one, if you go off a of week yeah. one, I think that's the hope of the kind of game that he's going to bring. Absolutely. So you can get the pressure here and there. You're going to get as the game went on. More the Cowboys started sliding more guys over to Donald, and what happens? Jakai Polite gets to go up on an undrafted rookie and, and, and get pressure. You know, same thing with Leonard Floyd. That's going to happen. And if uh, teams don't concentrate on 99, then he's going to feast. But when they do, the other guys have to step up, and they're going to have to make the most of the opportunities Leonard Floyd did in week one. Let's hope he gets the same chance against a banged-up offensive line in week two. Here's one thing that's interesting, Joey, before I give you a chance to talk about this and maybe some of the other components of the matchup. Uh, we're talking about the Washington Redskins front. Or Excuse me, why I did it. Yep. My bad. Ooh, Washington football team. Fine. Just fine. an instinct. Put, put money in the bucket. Las Vegas Raiders. Los Angeles Chargers. Washington football team. This is new 2020 stuff I have to get used to. Um, 31 teams in week one had four or less sacks. The Washington football team had eight. They got after the Eagles. But here's the thing about sacks that tells us something, because you know that sacks is a horrible statistic. It's not just the pressure they got. Jared Goff had I think what the least sacks of any quarterback or at least in terms of the the Rams offensive line in 2019 had a very 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 low sack rate why because the quarterback contributed to that what was the number one reason outside of the pressure that Washington was bringing that Philadelphia surrendered eight sacks it was Carson Wentz what was he do what was he doing after after if you're Carson Wentz and you've dealt with all the injuries that you have over the, over the last two three years once you've gotten three sacked three four times what are you doing? Why are you holding on to the ball that long? That's got to be something more worrisome maybe than the protection itself. Okay, so basically it seems like with Carson Wentz, they don't really want to do what the Rams are doing, which are doing yeah. these, these these short screens. And it feels like they're kind of going uh, for, for bigger passing plays. And in week one, they didn't have their, their big rookie, Miles Sanders, who it looks like he's coming back for week two. Right. So that'll be his NFL debut. We saw a lot of rookies last week play really well. So that's something to keep an eye on. But then they're bringing up guys from the practice squad for the offensive line because of injuries. And one of those is our old friend, Jamon Brown. Ham. And he's going to be participating in the offensive line unit for the Philadelphia Eagles. So that'll be interesting to see how our defensive line stacks up against, you know, guys that they're bringing up for the practice squad for the O-line. Doesn't seem like we're having to do that on our side as far as, um, we have the same offensive line that were, were played last week with no injury. Crush your fingers, issues. crush and, your fingers, crush your toes, crush your balls. Yep. So I don't know. And Carson Wentz just um, he he really took a dive after the the first half. It felt like he. I think they, I think they wish he took a dive. He should, could have taken a dive instead of taking some of those sacks. 
Right. Yeah. So that's the big narrative with him is that he's not throwing the ball away. Ugh. Let's no. let's uh, for for our sake. Let's hope that happens. For his sake, good lord. It's it's. I don't know if you guys saw the stat from Kyler Murray. Um, however many times I think he ran the ball in week one, he only got tackled once. Right. He's one of these quarterbacks that maybe got raised on it because of his skill set, but he's learned how to avoid contact, even though he ran the ball as often as he did. Carson Wentz clearly hasn't learned that, and you gotta think the Eagles coaching staff is gonna make that a point of teaching this week is to say, look, dude, you can't you can't do this. You can't take that much pressure and, and result in hits on your body because we're going to lose you. They drafted Jalen Hurts. They're clearly aware that there's a risk there. You would think they're going to want to make sure that at least for his sake, he's doing what he can to minimize that risk. I think one of the things that might help them as a safety valve there is that they got these tight ends, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. What do you, what do you think about the effect that they can have? We've had some issues with tight ends in the past. Um, where those yeah. have been kind of the safety valve that's messed guys up, especially the way the secondary is formed and what we saw last week. Now, the Cowboys lost Blake Jarwin. That obviously affected some of the things they could have done. But the secondary overall played very well against the pass. Troy Hill, Darius Williams, Jalen Ramsey, and we talked about the safeties. But in terms of the passing game, you're not going to face a lot of quarterbacks as good as Dak Prescott as we go along. Are you worried about the tight ends this week and maybe the fact that they got a lot of talent there, that that could be something that disrupts things? That's, that's kind of my concern going on this game, if you're if you're looking from a Rams perspective. Is, um, the Cowboys really didn't use the tight end. They had, uh, they had Lamb, right, taking their shots in the middle, and then they went outside to Cooper and uh and gallup but the opposite is probably going to happen with with the eagles because you have two good ones you have zach Ertz, who's one of the top five tight ends in football right now he had a down week last week we also have a guy named dallas goddard if you don't know him he's really good and with zach Ertz in a contract dispute they might let him go and keep dallas that's how good he is he had 101 yards on touchdown last week so as i mentioned earlier i was kind of worried about uh you know brennan staley and, and making adjustments whatever and then you mentioned michael kaiser came out and had some struggles early and played. He didn't come off the field a lot this this last week, so he's going to be on there. Who are they going to match up the tight ends with? Who are they going to put on there? Are they going to put a safety? Are you going to see Jordan Fuller doing that? You're going to have John Johnson. You're going to bring someone else in. Uh, Darius Williams. I don't know who they're going to put on on a tight end, right. but they have two good ones in Philly, and that's probably for me as as good as Miles Sanders is, and he's really good as well to get out in space. Uh, those those tight ends are the guys who I'm just most concerned about. I'm eager to see what the offense does as a whole, right? We had this weird condensed uh, offense. I think I think we mentioned the 35 handoffs to the running backs. That was more than at any time in 2019. The only two games in the McVay era where we've had more running back runs was the final game in 2018 with uh, C.J. Anderson and John Kelly, of all people. And then the divisional game against the Dallas Cowboys, where the offensive line just ate and C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley went off. Those three games are the only games where they've had 35 or more running back runs. So I, I don't know. It's one game. You don't want to take a small sample size like that and extrapolate too much. Uh, but just really interesting that that happens in week one, the first game that you get beyond the Todd Gurley era, and you're running the ball that much. And like Joey said at the beginning – that balance that you got where you've got a really good run pass balance eager to see how that bears out here. But again, it's another talented front seven. You got a real nice group, um, obviously dealing with some issues, Vinnie Curry, Brandon Graham, and even Derek Barnett, but Malik Jackson had a really good first week. They, they, Josh sweat, they got a lot of talent there and they were dealing with a Washington offensive line. That's not that great. And we're able to harass them. Not as much as Washington's front, uh, harass the Eagles front, uh, offensive line, but 
eager to see if this offensive line can hold up. What, what are you guys looking for when we have the ball? Is there anything that you're eager to see coming out of week one? Do you want to see more Malcolm Brown? Do you want to see more Cam Akers? Maybe more Van Jefferson? Maybe do you want to see that balance again with all the targets, Robbo? What do you guys think in terms of what you're hoping for or expecting from the offense? I think I'd like for them to feed Malcolm Brown again. Yeah, it may be not our future for the offense, and I know there's part of me that kind of wants to see what Cam Akers can do and even Daryl Henderson. Sure. For the most part, I'd like to see them kind of conjure up some some big splash plays, but maybe we don't need that right now. Maybe we just need to get the offense humming along with a really strong run game. And if by all accounts of what Malcolm Brown did last week, let's give him the ball again. Do you think McVay is over there? Give me the nose. Bring me my nose. <laughs> <laughs> You're hard nosed. Here, get in there. You said that. I just, I just picture. I just heard. Feed me Seymour, feed me Seymour, feed me Malcolm. Are we ready for this to be a running team? It's so odd, though, that, you know, we're used to, like Joey said, throwing the ball like 40, 50 times a game and and, and winning games that way. A lot of times we don't really necessarily care how it happens, right? We just want to score points and win games. It's it's just interesting that maybe there's an identity shift underway and you can do it because you got three healthy backs that you can really feed a hard-nosed guy that's going to, you know, plug hard into the line and maybe get you the short yardage stuff that you need. But then you got these athletic guys and a home run hitter in Hendo, a, a guy with a lot of jukes and moves and Cam Akers. It, are, are we ready for that kind of an identity, I guess, because we've been built on this identity under Sean McVay of being a passing team. Joey, would you be able to embrace that? Do you really care as long as we win and, and put up points? Or do you want to see the high-flying passing offense? I think as long as it's high-flying, yeah. I think if it's just really, really ground and pound. You can't do like a Tennessee Titans. Like, yeah. Yeah, or like late '90s Chicago Bears. Like, uh, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it still needs to be exciting, and I think you kind of can't run away from that too much, especially with what Jared Goff has sure. at his his disposal. Yeah. But you got to at least give twenty five percent at the very least yeah. to something that isn't Jared Goff throwing the ball. You know, like it doesn't have to be fifty fifty all the time. Sure. But like, I felt like last year with Todd Gurley, it felt like he was. 10% of the offense and Melker Brown was less than five. It just felt like it was like more than 75% was a passing play. And I'd like it just to eat, you know, change the scales up just a little bit. So I, I would embrace it, especially if we can get some big runs and some exciting juice. Like yeah. we just mentioned Steven Jackson at the beginning, yeah, like yeah. more of that, yeah. you know, let's get some big, huge 60 yard run plays. Are we on the cusp of a, a running back duo? Like we've had some, we've had like thunder and lightning, right? Who are the like the good ones? Uh, the, the Titans had one with yep. with uh, with oh, who is the the two backs they had there that were like super couple? Uh, Lindell Eddie, White Eddie and CJ. Or yeah, they had. Um, oh, I think I like Lindell and uh, Chris Johnson. CJ Two K. Chris Johnson, yeah. So. Are we going to get that with? Like, That's asking a lot, Rob. White and, and <laughs> you just, you just asked for a, a two thousand yard rusher. <laughs> I just mean, are we going to get like Malcolm Brown is is the pounder, the inside guy, and then we hit him with 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 Cam Akers as it gets because he's he's really more of a, suited to that yeah. outside zone than Malcolm, so, is, right? So quick dash. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping we we kind of work into something that we both guys have a, a role. One is a little more you know ball control, another one is going to gash you and. Let's get them both. Beat them so both. You want, it, Beat them you want both. a little brown and pound. I get it. Nice.
You know who else liked this offense? Clearly, because before we were running the ball, he probably didn't have an NFL future. Is good old American Johnny Munt. He's got he's got a place in this offense now, like a a, a legitimate place in this offense. He's going to be, a, especially if we're going to run twelve personnel. But even if we don't, as long as we're running the ball, you've got to keep good old Johnny American Johnny American in the mix, right? Hey there, coach. I'll jump in there. I'll make some blocks so we can get our guy to move in the third down. Johnny Munt. You don't need to ask me. I'll lead the way against the Axis powers. I'll surely do it against the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just one of your GIs that's ready to go in and do his American job. Send the salami for your boy in the Philadelphia Army. My mom made you an apple pie, Coach McVeigh. Follow me to victory, Malcolm. <laughs> I got a question for you, Joe. If, if you had to put some money on the game this um, upcoming weekend, Eagles Rams, oh, oh. it seems like right now the Rams are the favorite, right? Yeah, yeah. no, it- they are. The, a lot of the money has moved. A lot of the sharp money late yeah. for Rams Cowboys moved to the Rams, and I think a lot of that. Is, the the one thing I think we're going to have to monitor is what happened with the Cowboys game with an injury uh, designation. You know that that pave the way for an undrafted free agent rookie at right tackle. The Eagles have these injury issues, and we're going to have to track that. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that has a huge effect on the money line and our expectations. Look at what we're talking about with the, the Eagles offensive line. We wouldn't have been talking about this if they had their healthy offensive line ready to go. The reason why we're talking about this is they didn't in week one. Washington ate it up. And now the pressure, to be honest, isn't on the Eagles to block. It's on the Rams to get after Carson Wentz. Yeah. And also, uh, I think a really big factor that we haven't talked about is the fact that we're playing in Philadelphia and the fans, the Philly fans that we're talking about, aren't going to be there. And that's going to be a huge difference. I mean, yeah, if you were playing the Jaguars, then okay, who cares? But this is probably one of the most uninviting places to play if you're the visiting team. So you're taking that factor out and it's just going to be manufactured noise. And yeah, sure, it'll be loud. But I think that it's not really a home game for Philly. I mean, the fact that they're actually on the the, the, the the Philadelphia soil, but it becomes a little more of a technicality, and I wonder how that factors in. Oh boy, I think I'm going to celebrate by eating a uh, soft Philly pretzel. What is that? Is that a on, thing? Uh, yeah. I don't know anything they about um this. Th- they just opened up a place. It's it, the guy I was talking about yeah. earlier. He d- during the um during the quarantine, he started a business and it's called Shappy's Pretzel Co okay. and it's it's Philly style soft pretzels. I've never heard of this. And I like now it. he's he, He's using the, the, the kitchen of this bakery and he's using a pizza place, but he's using the ovens and he's kind of mass producing these sort of like um, big, soft pretzels. And they Ooh, have sad. like a. You're supposed to go second. Big, soft, <laughs> supple pretzels. Big, soft. big, soft, and hot. So hot. Uh-huh.